Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Audience Building and Relatable Content. Let's get started. When you're building an audience, people will resonate with your content differently over time. In the beginning, you don't have too many followers, just a couple, maybe a couple dozen, maybe a hundred. Your reputation within the community may just really not yet be established enough to get away with controversial manifests or content that claims to be the end all of knowledge on any particular topic. People want to read stuff from reputable sources and you don't have that yet. And to be honest, I don't think you'll ever get to that point. The more renowned you are, the more scrutiny your content will be under and there will always be voices that will disagree. But you'll find more eager listeners once you've climbed the ranks of your community and find yourself to be an expert or be perceived as an expert that people seek out to help them advance their own lives. And the tone of the content you put out there plays a significant role in how it is perceived. After all, we all claim to be calculated and intellectually rigorous, but often we act very irrationally and overly emotionally as human beings who are on social media all of the time, interacting with other human beings. Beneath it all, we're looking for connection and relationships. That's the most important part, and that's what I want to talk about today. We don't just want facts and figures. We want the content we consume to be relatable. It should fit into our worldview, or at least connect with it often enough to make sense to us. It usually requires us to suspend some of our disbelief, just like when we're watching a movie. You always have to consider that somebody's trying to tell us something. Okay, let's just listen to them for a second. And how much of that we allow depends on the reputation and the intensity of our connection to the person saying it. So let's look at two stages of audience building and what approaches will allow you to create relatable content here. Let's start with the early stage audiences. The best way to to describe what you should be doing, I think, is find common themes and then add opinions. Let me explain this. When you're new to the scene, your lack of a public brand means that you're one of many. That's actually great. And it's a great start because if you want to be an embedded entrepreneur, you want to be part of the crowd. And there are many people in a crowd. So it's good to be part of that. And with that in mind, it becomes almost effortless to understand what you should be creating in terms of content. Just look around you and see what others are doing. If you're, for example, part of the indie founder community on Twitter, you'll see people sharing their entrepreneurial journey by building in public. Well, just do that. Share your own adventurous path into building your business or creating whatever service thing you're building, whatever it is, just share your path, build in public. The trick to standing out here is to flavor your content with your unique personality. Do you sketch? Well, instead of just writing tweets, throw in a rough sketch of a cool concept that you've just learned. Or are you running a business in a super niche industry? Then just share these little unbelievable anecdotes that could only happen there. The unique content that only you can provide because you are, there's something special about this. And this special thing is that you'll find your uniqueness at the intersection of the skills that this particular community values and your overall life experiences. So where your life experiences and the skills that the community values intersect is where your uniqueness truly lies. Because founders are resourceful and consistent, sure, And you are, 
of course, resourceful and consistent because you're a founder, but so are thousands of others. But if you look at people who are resourceful, consistent, and I don't know, have run a successful Christmas ornament business on Etsy for 10 years, all of a sudden that makes you really remarkable and you stand out and there aren't too many other people that have this particular history and where those particular skills and not just the knowledge and the experiences intersect. The balance between remarkable and relatable is hard to get and it's different for all communities. It's generally a safe bet to add more of that personality spice over time. It's just like with cooking. And it's easy to oversalt a dish, but it's incredibly hard to get it back to normal salt levels once it's oversalted. And when you're just getting started, I recommend looking for common conversation themes in your community and just joining in. This engagement is very easily done as the conversations are already happening and you'll have a variety of people exchanging their opinions there. So just add your own. Consider this a value add to the ongoing bigger scheme of things. You don't want to stand out too much at this point because then people will question your reputation. You just want to stand out a little bit and help a little bit. If you resonate with people, they'll start listening and following you. If not, you'll likely just be ignored and you can try again. That's why I'm saying don't stand out too much. Don't make too bold of a claim in those those kind of situations. You can try and you can see where it leads, but usually you don't want to be, you don't want to burn the little reputation that you have in the community. And use your inside position. That's the next point, I guess. Use the words and terms and metaphors that your audience is already using in their communities. If yeah, you you don't have to imitate their slang to perfection because you're also just a learner in the community, but using the right abbreviations and pronouns, for example, will make all the difference. If you talk about commonly used concepts within a certain industry, people really resonate with somebody who speaks like them, speaks about things they like in a tone they appreciate using the words that they would use. And it's always appreciated for you to state your why clearly, whenever you communicate. And particularly when you're starting out, people need to know more about you to trust your opinions or to trust that your opinions come from a place of well intention. Make sure to add this information to your content from the start. Always contextualize. Give people a chance to see who you are as a person not just a voice among many in the community. That contextualization can come through anecdotes, through, I wouldn't say certification or stuff like that. You don't need to present diplomas or anything, but just showing where else content about you is or things that you have built are so that people can get a fuller picture of who you are by looking at your previous work. And if you're a software engineer, you probably have code on GitHub. Or if you're a designer, you might have designs on a on a portfolio page somewhere or on a like platform somewhere, Behance or something, right? You, you have other places where your work and information about you lives and you can contextualize yourself, your profile and the content you create with those kind of links and this kind of information. Another way to make this very clear is by just using images in your content. And mainly when there are memes, that also works. Um, not just talking about funny memes here. I, and anything that has a mimetic quality will do. Because memes are, by definition, interpersonal vehicles of meaning and relatability. So, I, examples. Ma- Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a visually easy to represent meme because it's also geometrical. And so is the bell in Pavlov's experiments. Invoke those visual concepts 
with your content and in, in your content. And you can be sure that there are anchor points for your audience members to, to connect and relate to your content. The way you use images is uniquely yours and can be used to great effect, particularly when it comes to like personal branding. You're good at illustrating concepts. This will make your content very approachable. And even if you're not a good visual artist, you can tap into existing sources. Have you seen a great visual for the thing somewhere else? Well, just refer to it, link to it, and show it in the context of your content. Curating things is content creation too. And your choices of what to combine will be uniquely yours. That's why museum curators are often quite prominent figures because the way they curate things is itself extremely creative. And you can do that too with your content. You don't need to come up with all these crazy big thoughts. You can just really assemble other people's work and contextualize it. And that itself is valuable. The great thing with this approach is that people will expect more of your uniqueness to shine through over time, as long as you remain relatable to them. That is, in essence, the origin of personal reputation. A reputable voice can be colorful and maybe even contrarian from time to time, but first you have to get there. So don't try to set topics too much while your own audience is small and fresh. In this beginning stage, you're a peer among peers, and that is good. Gathering renown takes time and, most importantly, trust. And that trust is established through engagement, interaction, and empowerment. It's not something that can be quickly built by just posting amazing content, whatever that might be. People are smarter than that. So with that being the this early stage stuff, let's talk about the later stage audience, where we're looking at exactly the opposite of what the early stage was about. If you remember, the early stage was about find common themes and add opinions. Now we're looking at find opinions and add common themes. Let me explain this. There is a time for setting the topics of discussion. Once you have gathered a sizable audience, and that number can be anything between a few hundred to a few thousand of, of, of eyeballs or many thousands of eyeballs looking at you, you can start introducing things that you want to talk about outside of the ongoing conversations. It's the natural consequence of growing expertise. You'll be more acutely aware of how things work and how they are connected. You'll see what people struggle with when they don't even see it, what they misunderstand, and how they could bridge knowledge gaps. You now have this chance, and I, I would argue even obligation, to point these things out. Your perspective will shift from doing what others are already doing towards guiding your audience members through their journeys with your unique insights. People will welcome listening to your well-reasoned perspective on their opinions, right? Not just opinions and opinions, that usually doesn't help much. But if you have perspective that has some foundation in your experience and your knowledge, they will actively seek you out and ask for your help. And it is here that relatable content turns from things that your audience already consumes into things that your audience would like to consume from you. The relatable part shifts away from similarities towards expectations of you as a domain expert that will dazzle them with unique and strongly applicable insights. See conversations where people are exchanging their opinions and then use those themes to create content that can stand alone. Observe your community chat about a problem and write a compelling blog post, for example, how to best approach solving that particular issue. Like you can source information from the conversations in your community and you can turn that into knowledge drops, if you want to use that phrase, or just 
insights turned into content that then is delivered to your audience. Respond to an open-ended question with a video explaining a complicated situation with a few mental models that you have thoroughly understood yourself and you can now share and teach to your audience. That is really what this is about. Add your unique expertise to the concerns of others. Now, relatable content is always engagement-based and I want to really talk about this particular idea. Because notice how we, even though we're talking about later stage audiences, I'm still making this all about engagement. I want you to always talk with your audience and never talk at your audience. Because once you stop being on the conversational level of your audience, all relatability will eventually evaporate. If you stop engaging and only blast content into your audience's feeds, they'll stop considering you one of them. And just like movie stars are unrelatable to most movie watchers, you'll find yourself straying further from the communities that you were once an active part of. Because trust is relational. If relationships are one-sided, trust levels drop and something else happens, like power dynamics and all that stuff comes up. And you don't really want that. You want trust and relatability to be the source of the relationship and the strength of the relationship. And something else falls into this place of trust when levels drop. It can be, it can range from like blind adoration, which is not necessarily good when people just blindly follow you, right? To disgust and disillusionment, which is not, yeah, isn't good either. And neither of these options is particularly enjoyable. So stay engaged, help, support, and empower people at all times, wherever you are. If you're starting out, if you're already tens or hundreds of thousands of followers in, just be there and engage with people. That way, you'll get the best of both worlds. You'll be relatable, your content will be relatable, and you can bring new items to the agenda as well. So that's my perspective on relatable content. I hope it helped. Now, let me talk about something else. You probably know that the last couple of weeks have been quite exciting for me. Wednesday, a week ago, I launched my book, The Abetted Entrepreneur, on Twitter, and it was met with a resounding response from the community. And this Wednesday, a couple of days ago, I launched the book on Product Hunt. And well, good news, it went fairly well. It was actually quite the amazing day. Sharath, the, the founder of Shoutout.so, he works at Product Hunt as well. And he hunted my, my book. And he's a professional, obviously. The launch was well organized. He asked me to prepare all kinds of things in advance and we got it going and the book launched like two minutes after the new day happened in Product Hunt World, which is at 9 a.m. Central European time or three in the morning East Coast, which would mean it's midnight in the West Coast where the servers are. And I immediately posted the launch to Twitter to activate my own audience. And within minutes, I was in the number one spot on Product Hunt for the day. And for 23 hours and 56 or 55 minutes, I did not leave that spot. It was the most bizarre thing to see my book be number one on Product Hunt for the whole day. And that's where it ended. So I am proud to announce that The Embedded Entrepreneur is the number one product of the day on Product Hunt on May 26th in 2021 with, at the end, around 800 upvotes, 268 comments, and almost 50 reviews that were all five out of five. I'm blown away by, by this perception or reception there and uh, I cannot believe it still I spent 21 hours engaging my community 
to help me and support me with the Product Hunt launch. And I will talk about this and write about this more at length um, over the next coming weeks because I have this feeling that people would be very interested in all the kind of prep that went into the launches, both on Twitter and on Product Hunt, and the kind of decisions that I made, the kinds of people that I talked to, all the work that went into these launches. But it's just to, to quickly summarize it, I spend a lot of time engaging with the community, which is not surprising because the, the subtitle of The Embedded Entrepreneur is How to Build an Audience-Driven Business. So the book being itself built that way, involving the audience from day one, left this large number of people that could help me with the launch and that actually did help me with the launch. I put the... the Twitter thread out when I talked about the, the product hunt launch and people immediately went over to product hunt and uploaded it. And over, over the day, people retweeted the launch thread a lot. They helped me out. They engaged their own audiences to further upvote my thing. I was very active on product hunt myself, like on, on the, the comment section there, people, whenever somebody would write a comment or a reply to the launch, to the product, on the product page there, I would immediately respond to them in whatever question they might have or just saying thank you for supporting me. And that, I guess, created a lot of buzz as well. And over the day, every couple yeah, hours, I guess, I would share why I currently am. I was always on number one, but like how much difference there was to the number two and number three, how many upvotes I had gotten, who had upvoted it, like this little kind of engagement stuff where I would just share the progress of where I am with my community. And now you have to understand that I live in Berlin, in Germany at the moment. It's hard to reach the West Coast in the United States, which is essentially where a lot of the Product Hunt fans are as well. So I stayed up late, quite late for my taste. I think I went to bed around 4.30 in the morning and I haven't done this in a while, I can tell you that. But it was amazing because honestly, it was quite enjoyable to be consistent um, about talking to people and see the consistent results of that. That every hour there would be another, I don't know, 50 upvotes somewhere or people engage would engage with it and share it on Twitter. There would always be some buzz. I would see purchases coming in, obviously, because it's an info product, so people can immediately buy it. Coming in all through the day, I think that the, yeah, just in terms of numbers, the Twitter launch was bigger. You would think the product hunt being big would have been the bigger launch, but I think my community, my audience is just more on Twitter and was more ready to purchase a book on Twitter. The product hunt launch created maybe 50% of the sales that the Twitter launch did, which is still amazing, obviously. I think I now sold over 700 copies of The Embedded Entrepreneur, and it's been a week. Yeah, that's really good for a book. I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to say, like, in, in relative terms, the Twitter launch that was directly aimed at my personal audience and the people who had followed the journey of the book was a bigger deal than the product and launch, even though Product product hunt usually turns out to be a more spread out event because um, if you get to number one product of the day, you'll be featured in the daily newsletter. And then there's always the weekly newsletter in which you might also appear. So that there's always the second and third reactivation for the product hunt audience. And I'm already seeing results from their daily newsletter come in because now all of a sudden there's a lot of more upvotes and a lot of more purchases because people are just exposed to it through their email inbox instead of going to the product homepage themselves. So there's, there's that, and it's really nice. I got very little sleep 
I'm still trying to work through <laughs> that particular problem. But yeah, product number is amazing. And I'll write up another blog post. I did this for Zero to Sold, where I just really described the whole story of the book. And I think I'm going to do the exact same thing for the Embedded Entrepreneur, where I describe not just really how it how it sold and how the launch went, but how everything that went into the book, right? From the, the first day of uh, announcing the, the project to the community to then having people send me the things that they wanted me to talk about in the book to them being involved in the first manuscript and editing it and helping me like figuring out how to make this book more accessible. One of the, the pieces of feedback that I always get now, which I'm extremely happy about, is that people think this is really actionable. For a writer of nonfiction, this is the highest compliment you could get. That a book that you wrote is pragmatic, has no fluff, and is really helpful. That's where you want to be. So I'm extremely grateful. I'll dive into this more maybe next week, maybe a couple of weeks in the, in the future. I don't really know. My content always happens when it happens. But rest assured that I'll be talking about how to approach launching on Product Hunt, why Product Hunt launches require an audience. And this is something that I can say for sure. Like you, you shouldn't launch on Product Hunt without an existing audience that can help you amplify this. And what Product Hunt really is. I'm going to dive into all of this, but not today. I think um, today it's still too fresh and I still want to see what the immediate results and consequences of the launch are over the next couple of days. I'll share all of this with you in the future. And I think that's it for today. So thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com and The Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you have any questions about the episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arbit at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me on the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders and founders to be find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>